Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. Today we are here recording episode number 94, and we will be discussing what we've learned in college and also during our time in study abroad. I think there will definitely be some overlaps, but also uh, quite a few different things that Jared and I have experienced in uh, undergraduate uh, and also while studying abroad in Vienna, Austria. And uh, this episode is just for you if you're curious about some of the things that we learned in college in the States and also while uh, spending time abroad. And I will definitely be discussing the different things I learned outside of the typical classroom bookwork type of thing that, you know, college is supposed to be there for us. But I think there are a lot of other learning opportunities available outside of the classroom as well and especially in the realm of study abroad. And I'm curious to see what Jared has to say today as well. So we're looking forward to bringing this episode to you. We hope you enjoy. And uh, yeah, so without further ado, my good buddy Jared. What's going on, Jared? Yes. What's up? How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. The new drop already. I like it. Um, Hello, everyone. Spread a little love. Please follow us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Twitter, untranslatable one, the number one. Uh, you can email us, untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can, sorry, it got thrown off. You can um, also spread a little love. And give us five star reviews on uh, iTunes and Stitcher. And also, on, you're welcome to give us, you know, um, not on iTunes and Stitcher, that's only five, five star reviews, but on the other places, you can slide into those DMs, send us email, give us some topic ideas. You can uh, give us some constructive criticism, I guess. Um, or you can give us some untranslatables, which are idioms, sayings, proverbs, and the namesake of this podcast. Uh, welcome back, buddy. You spent a couple days in, uh, Vienna. Yeah, I got to spend the weekend there. Uh, visited with a buddy of mine, uh, my good friend David, and it was actually his first time ever in Vienna. So, uh, it was exciting for him. It was great for me. Very nostalgic being back there. It's been... What's mm, two, three months since I was there last with my parents over That's Christmas? Not that long, but okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> For some reason, right. you were going to say it like back when we were studying abroad. It's been years right. and years. <laughs> you know what's crazy, though? My mom actually posted something on Facebook earlier, which, which still blows that sentence by itself, blows my <laughs> mind. But, um, uh, when my parents came to visit me in Vienna for the first time, that was six years ago. Man, yeah, that that seems crazy. It does seem crazy. That's a long time. By the way, I, that does seem wild. I posted on a Twitter yesterday. My mom doesn't have Twitter or Instagram, so how is she supposed to find out how much I appreciate her? Uh, oh well, I her did loss. see that. That was good. <laughs> oh, I never. I didn't even <laughs> yeah. know you ever go on uh, Twitter. I, I randomly will will you know be lurking. Mm. We'll check out our the, previous uh, episode like, to find. I appreciate it. Uh, no. <laughs> um, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, right, we're right. So David Vienna. is David German. Yeah, and he's David, never. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and he's never been to Vienna yeah. before. So we were supposed to go a few years ago, and unfortunately, um, you know, he just had some had some stuff come up, and we weren't able to make it. But mm. uh, thankfully, it was it was really great. And and dude, the one thing that I I don't know if maybe forgot was the right word, but just. It was just so refreshing to be back in Vienna and just see all the amazing architecture, just the classy people, man. Like, mm-hmm. I love people watching in Vienna. Like, people, they dress so nice. Mm-hmm. Dudes are walking around, you know, in very nice, like, blazers. You know, refer to our episode with Joanna Jenkins if you want to see what a classy man in a blazer looks like. That's right. Um, 
but yeah, so it, it yeah. was just nice, you know. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the the people there, you know, they really carry themselves well. It was good to hear Austrian German as well. I think, um, not to offend our German listeners out there, I'm gonna please um, fire some shots right now, please. But uh, I betcha. think Austrian German is it's just a little, it's a little sweeter, it's a mm. little softer, a little sweeter, a little smoother. And so, so yeah, and it was good. And of course, we did the usual have to have schnitzel while you're there. Of course, right. We went to a really good place called uh, Schnitzelviet, which is like a more of a traditional kind of Austrian restaurant. Had schnitzel, had uh, Ottakringer, which is a beer that's brewed in the 16th district of Vienna, which was wonderful. Um, also had Kaiserkreiner by the Opera House there, mm-hmm. right in the first district. And of course, Jared, you know, I had to get my Wiener Melange and my Zachertorte. Of course. As well. You went to a, uh, did you go to um, a cafe house? Of course. Nice. Cafe Central yes. is where we went. That's a good one. Yep. Yep. I, and it was crazy though, dude, when we went there, we went there to ask for a reservation on Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like, oh, sorry, no reservations for the weekends. But when we went in, we went in around maybe... Uh, 12 30 or 1 there was a line out the door people waiting and this is way past breakfast time right <laughs> so so yeah but that place is just classic and i got of course the classic viennese breakfast which was a zemmel which is like a roll an austrian roll mm-hmm. for our german listeners out there uh, a croissant which was amazing that honestly dude i i've had croissants in paris I think the ones at Cafe Central are are better. That's just my opinion. And of of course, uh, a soft-boiled egg where you crack the top open Mm -hmm. and scoop it out with a little baby spoon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was was an all-around great time. David is also a great travel companion. And I have to say, traveling with him really reminded me a lot about traveling with you. Okay. Because we didn't really have things like planned, like super tight. It was more like, well, here are our options. And I realized I was doing the same thing with Davig as I was doing with you, which was, okay, we could do A, B, or C, mm-hmm. and then we'd pick one, and then we'd go do it. And it's crazy, though, on Saturday, I think it was Saturday, Friday or Saturday, the weather was supposed to be rainy all day. It didn't rain, thankfully. Um, and so, or no, it was, yeah, it was Friday. Uh, the weather was good, and so we just went all over. And it turns out, dude, we walked 30,000 steps. Man. It was like it's 11 about, miles. Yeah, I think it's more than that. Eleven point five, I think maybe. Oh, is or that twelve? Because I think ten thousand yeah, is about so. um, five miles. Well, here we'll 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 consult yeah, the true. handy dandy health uh, health little thingy on my iPhone here. So were you? Yeah, it was great. Were you mm-hmm. were you doing classic uh, tour guide? Also, where you're like uh, giving some f- fun facts about stuff. Yeah, of course. Oh yeah. But he was asking me a lot of really good questions that I did not have the answer to. <laughs> like we were walking around, and he asked me, "So, so when was kind of like the." the boom where they built all of these things. And it's like, ah, it's, it's hard to tell, you know, because some of the buildings had been, you know, around much longer. And the only really way you can tell is if you understand the different architectural styles, mm-hmm. as long as they've stayed true to that time frame, which, you know, they may have or may not. But just, just for your reference here, Jared, it's actually, yeah, 12.5 miles, 33,000 like steps, almost 34,000. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I believe three thousand eight hundred fifty-nine. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. It was crazy. That's impressive. Yeah, and so I took him to Schönbrunn, which is a must mm-hmm. see when you're in Vienna. Mm-hmm. We went to the Hundertwasser House, which is what's fascinating about that. Did you ever go there while you were there? I'm trying to remember what that is. I know the name. It's but a, I need to look it's it like up. A, Hundertwasser. Oh wait, I think I think you may have gone because I think in our um, like cultural heritage of Austria class, I think we went there with Frau Schachemeyer. 
Mm, no, nah, I don't. I, I, no? I, I'm familiar with it, but I don't remember ever going there. What's crazy about that building is, except for the windows on a couple of the like beams or pillars, there is no straight line on that building. Oh which yeah, which is pretty wild. Yeah, I see one, but it looks like a pipe. Yep. Yeah. So, but but for all of our listeners out there who are more curious about things about Vienna, we will actually be doing another untranslatable travel series coming your way with our focus on Vienna. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. stay tuned for that to hear more. But it was it was a great trip. Uh, The only thing that was not so great was on my way back. I took the train and like an idiot, I didn't get a reservation because I never get a reservation. Well, this train was packed. So I sat in like the the like between the you know the connection between one train and the other there's like a little spot where they have the bathroom and then like a little area for the baby strollers and stuff or luggage so i sat on the floor there for 6 hours ooh so that was awful. not so fun yeah was not so fun but hey what can you do when you when you don't make a reservation right kind of sol i guess i would never expect the train to get that full you know like i like right. I, I assume that maybe they would book it like, well, I was going to say like they do an airplane, but airplanes always overbook planes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's also true. Good point. Uh, I thought they'd book it where it's like, all right, we have this many seats, so we'll get this many people. But I guess they don't have to do that. Right. Was yeah. it, did you like walk down the entire thing and it's like, oh. Well, see, that was the other thing. It was so crowded that there were people sitting in front of all the like entryways to get into the other wagons. Right. So I didn't even bother. I'm sure there would have been seats had I've explored, but I was just like, look, there there are literally people sitting to the left of me and to the right of me, and I'd always peek my head over and and, and you know and try to look. Mm-hmm. And there were still people sitting there crowding the way. And you know, I had my backpack with, you know, decent amount of crap in it, so I didn't really wanna try to like I didn't right. wanna step over people and then like smack them in the face <laughs> with my Osprey travel backpack. That's not such a good look. So Yeah. I, I were I remember when we were going what, to or from Prague on the train. It was to Prague, I think. Um they had that they had like the uh passenger car thingies, like where it's like the mm-hmm. little rooms like in the Harry Potter train. I hate those. Right. It they it seems so like I don't understand really the point of it. Um, and also, it makes it makes those hallways so tiny that yeah. you can like we we were sliding past people and just just get, getting all up in each other's grills, and it was oh it was for sure getting real personal. It's super uncomfortable, and I I feel like you could actually have more seats in the train if you didn't do it where you had the Seems cabins like facing each other because the cabins facing each other I think that's four seats on each side. So you got eight seats, and I mean that takes up a decent amount of space. Whereas if you have them all facing forwards, or or you know in a different configuration, it's got to be way more economical in terms of yeah, fitting people in there. I don't understand there. the benefit. Yeah, me either. Me either, man. But you know it is what it is. It was a great time, though. I have to say, though, I have uh, missed seeing your beautiful face and talking oh. to you. It's uh, <laughs> it's good to be back, man. Yeah, it, for we've, sure. We've taken a while and. Uh, but yeah, what's been going on with you? Uh, how's the Spanish learning been going and everything else? Uh, the Spanish learning's been going well. Um, we we took a, a hiatus, not for any really particular reason. That's the one thing I'll say that's difficult about um, about learning Spanish from like a friend or something is it mm-hmm. does take an, a, a massive amount of discipline on both of our sides. Mm-hmm. Like we both have to be uh, willing to do it. And so yesterday we had a lesson, and I think it was our third maybe. And nice. uh, it went well. I have more notes 
um, slowly getting into uh, she um, my teacher. I guess I call her, <laughs> uh, but uh, I got more notes going on and uh, nice, my, nice. My teacher, she um, she found like a um, like a big sort of online textbook thing, and so we've been okay. going through the textbook and uh, and there's some like assignments in there, so we'll do those. Um, nice. I'll do them, I guess, and she'll say if I got it right <laughs> or wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but she seems to really enjoy it, um, and I like it too. It's fun. It's it's getting it's it's exciting, you know, and uh, it's a it's a good way to uh, activate my brain in a way that I haven't. And as we've learned recently, it should probably help with my piano playing, and my piano playing should probably help with the Spanish learning. So yeah, it's all building on top of each other. I don't really have the key an official Spanish word of the pod, but I have notes here I can easily okay. find and choose oh, you, one. I want you to pull one out for sure. Okay. The other thing is you just the key is Jared, you have to learn some cool Spanish music for piano and then, mm. then you'll be speaking Spanish fluently. I remember uh in uh high school, yeah, one of the songs I learned for uh for trumpet was La Bamba. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Was that Spanish? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Dance. It means dance the la bamba. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh huh. But yeah. Yeah. So um, it's been going well. Uh, still unemployed, but um, you know, and I don't want to get too much into it. I guess I probably shouldn't. But uh, I've gotten some bites, so that's ex- that. That helps. It, it's it's a depressing life, just staring at your phone all day, just waiting. Right. Uh, I've never looked at my email so much, and uh, Josh Van Lan um posted something on facebook and i was like god it makes me mad how much i can relate to this but it was uh like some sort of meme where it's like when you get it when you get a um an email from a company saying thanks for your application however and it was just this oh, woman yeah. under just going no <laughs> <laughs> right right uh but hey our boys making moves yeah i think i think that's safe to say yeah I, I still feel confident in your journey jerry it's looking like i won't be unemployed for the rest of my life as of right now there, there's <laughs> right <laughs> right for sure but yeah most definitely so it's been going well piano's been going well i have ooh. i mean i'll talk about this probably a, i don't know exactly when i can't do that math in my head but i do have another um red velvet hall chamber concert coming up oh sweet and this Very one nice. is um is the guy that hosted it um he is a you know piano player himself and this one mm-hmm. is going to be, uh, I want to pull it up just to make sure. But this one is going to be um, uh, his composition. So he's a piano player. But uh, oh, cool. Jostrom, previous guest, was not mm-hmm. was not only, uh, I, don't think, I don't think he was his piano teacher. I think he was actually a composing teacher. So, oh, cool. Um, All right. So, th- you know, that's obviously how I heard about Jostrom was from those concerts. And so now um, he's going to be uh, playing some... Um, let me just read it. In the past, half of my program would be classical and half jazz. This year will be related but different. Many of you know that I have developed a passion for composing. Certain composers have crept under my skin and into my mind and fingers. Above all, he, he loves this. I can tell he's loving this. Uh, above, I, above all, two groups of classical composers, uh, Robert Schumann and nice. Johannes Brahms, the uh, great German romantic composers. On one hand... Uh, and uh, the great French Impressionist Maurice Ravel and mm-hmm. uh, Cloud, of course, uh, Debussy, Debussy. Mm-hmm. Uh, have had the greatest influence on me. The first half of the program will feature short gems written by them. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing because he really, he really got a... <laughs> he goes into yeah. it. Huh? 
The second half, uh, so he just explains why he's play- choosing and what kind of songs he's playing from them. And then the second half will feature my original music. However, not just music, but uh, music that enriches a dramatic story, the beginning framework of a show that I have been living with for a few years. So I'm excited. My, Interesting. Uh, my piano teacher, she recently got, uh, she, she's getting LASIK surgery and eye surgery to remove mm-hmm. some sh- shit in her eyes. And so she, <laughs> so she really wants to go and she can't drive. And so I'm going to be t- not only going with her, but accompanying her, picking her up and driving there her there. So that'll be fun. <laughs> nice. I think it's cool, though, that you have that relationship with your piano teacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I obviously have, she's, I've been to many of these things with her, but usually I just meet her there. And right. uh, given her circumstances, I would never be like, ah, like I would never make up some excuse <laughs> right. like why I couldn't take her. Right. That'd um, be bad. Uh, and then unless... you get there then, and then she's there. That oh. would be super awkward. Oh, oh my man. God. That would be the worst. That, that would be really bad. <laughs> Turns really, out really bad. I found out five minutes beforehand that I could go. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. No, that would be the worst. Right. Uh, and so, and she really appreciates it. Obviously, you know how much she appreciates me and, and all that stuff. That sounds right. so bad, but like, you know how much she. No, she's a great teacher, yeah. man. And so I think, I think you got lucky. It's not li- all teachers are like that. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's literally the least I can do. So, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be fun. And nice. I'll have a, I'll have a full report. Maybe I'll <laughs> get some more podcast guests out of it. Who knows? There you go. Sounds like that's a great way to. Oh, spread a little love. <laughs> I, almost, yes, I was sir. like, yes. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that drop is too good. That drop is just too good. Well, Jared, uh, do you have any shout outs to get us started? I do, actually. Yes. I'm glad you asked. Scotland, you know, you and I are Michiganders. Right. And uh, we're big fans of the uh, 10 cent return. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, Scotland is coming to uh, dethrone the Michiganders of the. Really? Uh, yeah. They. Are um, introducing and as they say, ambitious twenty pence uh, Ooh, bottle deposit right. scheme. The Scottish right. government has outlined plans for a deposit return scheme for plastic drinking containers, cans, and glass. So already, that's way more than we do in Michigan, um, right? Because they're included. Well, anyway, I'll keep going. Uh, people in Scotland will have to pay a twenty pence or twenty p uh, deposit on every <laughs> bottle or drinks. <laughs> Uh, uh, bottle or drinks can they buy from that's a fucked up sentence I just realized that is uh, for 20 for 20 pe- pence deposit on every bottle or drink can uh, they buy from shops under a new scheme unveiled by the Scottish government glass and plastic bottles as well as aluminium and steel drink cans <laughs> uh, sold by any shop in Scotland will be covered by the deposit return scheme, the first national scheme of its kind in the UK. Scotland's Environment Secretary, Rose- uh, Rosanna Cunningham, said there is a global climate emergency and people across Scotland have been calling rightly for more ambition to tackle it and safeguard our planet for future generations. I am therefore, this is quoted by her, uh, delighted to confirm that I intend to implement a system covering uh, PET, the most common form of plastic packaging. Uh, nice. Aluminum and steel cans, glass and glass, with a deposit set to twenty p. Uh, and so, yeah, it includes not just um, you know cans and bottles and stuff, but I think it also includes some like alcohol bottles, which is oh yeah, the scheme is set to cover single use bottles ranging from a fifty milliliter whiskey or vodka miniature to a three mm-hmm. liter bottle of cider. Every can or bottle in a multi pack of beer, water, or cola will also attract the twenty p covered. So this is or, uh, this is, I'd say, more extensive than Michigan. 
Michigan oh, doesn't sure. do water bottles. Um, right. I'm, if I'm not, right? There's no water bottle I can think of that has a return on it. I don't think so. And they No, I don't think so. And they don't do booze. I can't think of any booze bottle that has a return on it. Right. Yeah, yeah. By by booze, you mean liquor. Alcohol, yeah. Alcohol, sorry. Yeah. Because beer, beer right. bottles you can return, but yeah, yes. alcohol bottles you can't. Like mm-hmm. liquor, rum, whiskey, stuff like that. Well, that's awesome. Great. Good on you, Scotland. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so yeah, that's that's really awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's a simple thing to do. They do something like that similarly in, in Germany. I know that. Yeah. Um, for like, you know, the bottles that you buy in like those uh, uh, crates. You can get yep. like they put a uh, deposit on that, but I think these are this is more comprehensive. And why not? You know, yeah, people like there's and there's really no reason for people people to complain about them costing more. It's like, well, just return it, and then you get a nice little sweet little. And then it feels like you're getting money, even though you paid for it to begin right. with. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of things that are good for the environment, Jared, mm-hmm. I actually want to give the U.S. a big shout out because. No. Our solar installations for solar panels has now hit the two million mark. Wow! What do you mean two million? Like, like a there are now more units? than two million solar installations oh, in the U.S. Okay, and that number is set to double in four years, according to Reuters. And so I think that's absolutely amazing. And they say here, uh, and I quote: "We believe that the 2020s will be the decade that solar becomes the dominant new form of energy generation." Um, says um, CEO Abigail Ross Hopper, um, according to Reuters. So yes, yeah, so, so so that's awesome. I forgot to record again. <laughs> oh no! God right, damn well, it! Uh, Twenty-two well, minutes. I'm recording in. now. <laughs> oh my god! What is wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. Oh if you missed god. our beautiful faces, here they are, and uh, we're giving some Jesus shout-outs. Christ. So slipping on gator piss. So yeah, uh, so U.S. solar installations hit the two million mark. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, I think um, a lot of in some states, I don't know which states. I know California is probably one of them, but there are a lot of states that are now um, like requiring new installations or new houses and buildings mm-hmm. to uh, become you know come standard with that. Uh, and it's like, why not? Why not? Right. So that, that's cool. And and piggybacking on this, my other shout out, we got we got well today really I'm going all out on the country front. We got the USA, we got Australia, our mates from down under, and they uh, <laughs> and are Scotland. also the and and of course Scotland. Uh, we have the Australian <laughs> homes are turning to solar power in record numbers. Okay. So there's a record amount of new solar capacity that has been fitted to Australia's households and businesses in the first three months of this year, an increase of 46%, um, according to the uh, energy consultants, Green Energy Markets, which I mean, is why great. Not? There's so much mm-hmm. sun going on. It's blazing down there. Oh, for sure. And what's crazy about this, Jared, is it's calculated that customers will save, take a guess how much they'll save on their energy bills. Per year? In the next decade. In the next decade. It's a big number. Uh, 30 million. That's probably 600 low. million in the next Ooh. decade on their energy bills. I believe it. I believe it. So, and I think that what also will help with that is the introduction of electric cars too. And, and that becoming more, um, more of a thing because within that time, it's also set there, there, there are systems in place for what they call V to G, which is vehicle to grid. Mm-hmm. So there are systems where you can, you know, plug in your car at work or wherever you are, wherever there's a plug. And um, 
the the current goes back and forth. So during like those peak times, there are certain times during the day where energy usage is at a high and it costs more. What they'll do is they can pull the grid can pull energy from cars that are plugged in, and then you can have it set to uh, charge your cars in the off peak times at like middle of the night or something like that. So uh, the cars will also work to lower the impact of the of the um, in the uh, load on the grid. And I right. think mix mix of that and solar panels can make a big difference. Oh, without a doubt. So yeah, so big uh, big ups to Australia and the states for moving closer towards cleaner energy, and Scotland for also up in that twenty p recycling power. And mm-hmm. my last one goes out to. I'm not really sure who to shout this one out to, but it's an interesting story. So I thought I would add it into our segment today, which is, uh, I guess the shout out really goes to the Shanghai Oriental Arts Center, where there was a concert performed by a North and a South Korean, uh, uh, by North and South Korean musicians who performed together on the same stage, which this is a very historic moment. And uh, so what's interesting is a South Korean violinist and North Korean singer um, held a rare joint performance in the hopes that it would bring the divided Koreas closer together via music, especially at a time of emerging tensions amid deadlock nuclear diplomacy. So the violinist uh, from South Korea is Won uh, Hyung Joon, and the uh, North Korean soprano singer is Kim Song Mi. And so they performed together, and uh, I think it's really amazing that, first of all, it was their first concert with a musician from the other side of the Korean border, which is really amazing. And uh, they met several several times apparently last year in Beijing and agreed on a joint performance to help promote peace. So big hmm. shout out to the musicians mm-hmm. and the uh, Shanghai Oriental Arts Center for hosting them. And hopefully through music, we can bring a little bit of peace, maybe even, um, you know, end this war between the two countries, which would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what it's like for the uh, North Korean singer to go to other countries. And, uh, I mean, even even being in China, which wouldn't be considered the freest of countries, in comparison to North Korea, it's definitely the <laughs> freest of countries. I wonder how, what it feels like to go to these places and then have to go back to North Korea, because I'm sure... You know, in my head, I was like, oh, get out of there, run away, just don't come back. But I'm sure there's, it's not that easy. Right. But um, yeah, man, I, that's that's cool, though. I mean, that's that's good. And I think that even though, as you know, I wondered as run away, I'm sure it's not realistic. That is still a step to, um, you know, breaking down that barrier a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, that's great. Do you have any more shout outs for us today, Jared? Uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. Then I think you know what time it is, my good friend. Mm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, Jared, after coming back from Vienna and speaking German the whole time, uh, I figured I needed to give you some German untranslatables. Yes. Now, I don't I don't want to get your I don't want to get your brain to I know, right? <laughs> I don't want to get your brain um, so engulfed in Spanish that you forget all the hard work you've put into German. <laughs> forget so here my we roots. go. That's right. Here we go, Jared. The first uh, German untranslatable I have for you is Austrian. Sch- German. Mi- uh, ger- in German, this but it's is, this Austrian is German. specifically? No, oh, okay. this is German. Okay. I try to look for good Austrian ones, but most of them are just words. I couldn't find right. a ton of good phrases. Okay. Um, so, mir stehen die Haare zu Berge. So, my... 
So my hair stand, stands to the mountains, essentially? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that how you would say that? Mishtayan? Dihatha? Yeah. yeah, I mean, hmm. I guess if you try to literally translate it, to me stands the hair to, to the, the mountains. mountains. Right. We're right. But they're essentially saying my hair stands to the mountains. Yeah. I assume my first guess would be that you're frightened because I think that's what the American brain would go to. Almost like the, uh, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck are standing or something like that. But I'm going to guess that's not it. Hit that ham horn, my man. That is oh. it. Okay. That is it. All righty. All righty. Mm-hmm. I've got three. Two of them are Azerbaijani. Shout out to uh, our, uh, our friend Rachman. Yeah. The first one is Navadna uh, Yok. And uh, that literally translates to what you have, what you don't. What you have, what you don't. Maybe saying it like that will help a little bit. Um, Yo, Chad, what you have, what you don't. I'm drawing a blank on this one. What you have, what you don't. If I were to just walk up to you and say, yo, Chad, what you have, what you don't. So, like, what's up? Yeah. What's good? What's good, player? Yeah. It really sounds like something that, like, black people said in the 70s. Hey, player, what you have, what you don't. (laughs) All right. All right. I I can dig it. I like that. Okay. (laughs) I can dig it. (laughs) All right. Ooh. All right. (laughs) What you have, what you don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jared, I got another German one for you. Da haben wir den Salat. Uh, like now we have the salad, or or we have the salad there. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that's actually yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, like now we're talking. Nope. Like now we're cooking with gas. It's like nope. okay. Nope. I would say the opposite of that, maybe. Oh, it's like we don't understand each other. We're not on the same page. Which would mean that we have a Disag- misunderstanding. Uh, argument. More basic uh, than that. More basic than that. Hatred for one another? No, not so, not so deep. This okay. is, let me let me give you an example. Like, all right. Um, okay, so say I get on the train to come back to the Czech Republic from Vienna. Mm-hmm. I'm looking around to find a seat, and they're all reserved. And I'm like, and I say Scheiße, which is German for shit. I say Scheiße. <laughs> da habe ich den Salat. Oh, like I'm screwed. Yeah, or now we have a problem. Oh, okay, okay. Would you say yeah. that like um? If you're like uh, arguing with someone and they like, uh, like, um, you know, like slapped you in the face and it's like, da haben wir Salat. I, I don't know. Maybe. I, <laughs> I have no idea. All right. It's a good question. My next one is also Azerbaijani and it's, uh, do you new yalamak? And it means lick your own spit. Is that like taste of your own medicine? No, but I like where your head's at. Okay. Um, it's similar, though. So, so um, I'll give you an example, I guess. Okay. Uh, so, say, um, hmm. you know, I, I've if anyone's listened to more than an episode of this, they've know I've been uh, unemployed for a while, and um, you know, once you know, you're very uh, encouraging when the microphones are on. I was gonna say when the cameras are on, but I barely do that apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Roasting the microphones are today, on. I like it. My microphone is on. <laughs> uh you're very encouraging when the microphones are on. But as soon as we, you know, turn it off and stop recording, you're like, you idiot, you're not gonna find a job. <laughs> you're useless. <laughs> like, hey, hey, you're gonna be licking your own spit one day. 
Like I'll you're find gonna, a job. Like you're gonna be like I'll show you. Like I'll prove you wrong. Yeah, essentially, it's like eat, right. your, eat your words. But that's eat, essentially oh, what eat that your words. Okay. That's the untranslatable. The English untranslatable right. would be eat your words, which is like I'll show you or like I'll right. prove you wrong or something. Right. Oh, for sure. So yeah, to lick your one. own spit. There you go. Well, Jared, I did not come to disappoint. I do have a check one for you. Mm. Parada. So here we go. Jeden za osmnaatst, druhý bez dvou za dvacet, which means one is worth eighteen and the other twenty minus two. Oh, it's like same difference. Oh, very good, very very good. And I picked this one today because I think some of the things we'll be discussing in our main segment about what we learned in college and also what we learned in study abroad, there are a lot of parallels. Obviously, there mm-hmm. are some differences, as I noted, but there will definitely be some parallels as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, um, I'm trying to think. We can just move on. I don't have to do my third one. I could save it for later because that was a okay. great, great lead. Sounds in. good. Sounds good. So, yeah, so we'll get into our main topic today, a little reflection on what we've learned in college and also in study abroad. So um, I guess I'll start off with one of the first things that I think I really learned in college, Jared, was um, I think in college there's a different level of openness and friendliness, Mm -hmm. and it's just normal and acceptable and appropriate to just get to know everybody. Right. Which I think really sharpens up the the social skills quite a bit um, and can really... I've always been a very extroverted person, but I think that college still was very helpful for me to learn uh, how to interact with people, uh, you know, how to make friends, relationships, networking, things like that. Yeah. No, I'd agree with you. Oh, by the way, I went to... um, I've gone to a few parties recently, all all because of my girlfriend. This has nothing to do with me. This is more just like, hey, would you go to this party with me? And I'm like, uh... I mean, I guess. And um, (laughs) You sound so excited. (laughs) I, I, uh, I really need you there. It's It's like... It's weird because it doesn't bother me that I don't talk to people, but I feel like people are like, who's that weirdo? Right, um, who's that guy? Yeah. There are a couple of people that showed up to this uh, party I went to the other day, and this girl was just going around saying, like, introducing herself. Actually, a couple of people, not just this one girl. We're just going around introducing herself to everyone at the party. I was like, man. And for a hot second, I was like, I wish I could do that. I was like, you nice. could. <laughs> yeah, you totally like, could. It's like Work she's in the it. room. Work in the room. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But anyway... I think that's right. You know, for a bit, I was—I thought I was going to... When you first brought this up, I thought I was going to struggle to find the benefits of a classroom studying over uh, studying abroad, but I thought it was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And um, you make a good point about the networking thing. I think that's very true, and it's a, a more inviting environment. I felt like study abroad kind of felt more like camp, you know? Like it was very... It, it felt long very vacation. clicky. That and it felt too, very clicky. Yeah. There were a lot of groups... Um, like there were, there were people there that like I had no interaction with just cause like I never, I, I was never around them. And there was also a big split between, not fully, let me be clear, but there, to me, it did feel like there was a big split between the people, like the musicians and the German speakers. Yeah. And, which, um, which makes sense though. People tend to congregate to people of similar, you know, interests mm-hmm. and such. So the thing about the classroom is you're naturally, you know, around people that are all on your level because that's how the classroom works. Right. In um, theory. Yeah. Right. Well, that's true. <laughs> My first German class was German 201. I tested into this class. I don't know how I tested into it. I never got below like a 95 on any of the tests. It was it was so easy. <laughs> right. Um, 
But yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, it felt it's more of an inviting environment, the classroom, than um, mm-hmm. than the study abroad situation was. I mean, it was inviting, but I felt a little limited in the people that I interacted with, just because like I had a group and I kind of stuck with it for the whole time. Right, right. AKA Liebhardsgasse 28. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. 28 or 26? I don't know. It's your apartment. <laughs> right. I should remember. 26, 26. Yeah. All I but remember yeah. was mine was Magaletin Gürtel, but I don't remember, or Magaletin Gürtel, excuse me, but I don't remember what my address was. Right. But see, I think the difference too with college and studying abroad is with study abroad, there are also other limitations that might make it a bit more difficult to meet friends. You know, if you're in a bigger city, it may just not be super feasible to hang out with the same people all the time because they might live on the other side of the city. Whereas, right. you know, we went to a small enough school where everything was walkable and all the freshmen, it blows people's minds when I tell them this, especially when they went to like a big school. All the freshmen lived in one dorm where we went right. for undergrad, which mm-hmm. made a big difference. I remember this was one of my highlights of college. Our first semester as freshmen, just leaving the dorm room open and just chilling in your room and people would come in and yeah. you'd meet all these cool people. You know, we would... I would jam with all these really cool people, you know, shout out to Paul Lewis, um, Jane Finkel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you Did know? you play with Alan? He played bass, Oh, and he? Alan as well, yeah. I jammed mm-hmm. with Alan quite a bit. He was such a fantastic bass player. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was a lot of fun. And I think college is one of those weird times in your life where, especially as a freshman, when you're a first year college student, everybody's in the same boat for the most part. You know, right. you might know a few people like or you might even high school live or something. Right. But overall, it's it's just great. And there's so many exciting people to meet. A lot of great relationships you can start, you know, platonic or romantic, um, depending on what you're looking for. You betcha. And, uh, and yeah, and I think that leads me to my second point, though, about le- what you learn in college. I think I learned my my partying limits pretty quick in college. I don't think <laughs> I don't think I can say that about everybody. But um, I think college teaches you to manage or not manage, you know, your social life with your academic life, which is important as you get older and mm-hmm. you start working full time. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't manage both those, how are you going to keep a steady job? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm the same way. Like, I, I definitely had um, had like a few nights where it's like you wake up the next morning and it's like, what the hell just happened? But like, <laughs> right, as you get older, right. those become fewer and farther in, like in between. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for sure. So back to specifically the language part of it, though, because I want to mm-hmm. talk about some classroom stuff that I think I didn't get as well in um, in uh, studying abroad in Austria. We, we both studied abroad okay. in Wien, for those of you that don't know. Um, I think I, I think language-wise, um, I, the, the, uh, my, our teacher professor, Perry, for the most part, was more critical – than studying abroad in Austria. I think he was more critical of, of like, for example, obviously, like, writing papers and stuff mm-hmm. and even speaking. I think he was quicker to correct and quicker to, and more critical when it came to writing papers. So yeah. I actually think that um, as far as the writing aspect and the, um, and the sort of the uh, technical aspect of the language, I think learning in the classroom in America was way more useful than studying abroad. Now, obviously... When it came to studying abroad, it allowed me to be can speak more consistently mm-hmm. and become a more comfortable speaker. But I don't think I I don't think I mean I'm not gonna say I didn't improve. I improved probably a bunch. You did. But I definitely improved more as far as critical 
and grammar goes in the classroom. I think a lot of our German teachers, well, granted, I, we had one German teacher in a few classes that were in German, but they weren't German mm-hmm. teachers. Um, I feel like they were less critical in, in Austria. Well, also, but, right. Because some of the classes we were in, the ones that were not our German class, and when we were in Austria, had a mixed bag of German speakers. I mean, some of those, like the cultural class, um, some of those people could barely speak German. I mean, same with the music one, for that matter. Right. Some of the people in those classes could barely speak German. Right. And so I think they had to be a little bit more or less critical to be able to sure. appeal to the, you know, the, the wider group of people. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And make it accessible to all the students who, who are also willing to take that risk and, mm-hmm. and try to challenge themselves, which I think is a, the beauty of, of college and study abroad as well is taking risks and challenging yourself. But I also want to discuss the, the language part because that's a really interesting point. And I agree with you that it's definitely more critical and I think a lot more grammar-based, although I started at 301, so I was a, a couple of semesters ahead of Jared, and it was less grammar-focused. Right. Um, then it's more writing, content. Right into writing papers. Right. And I, what's funny is I remember uh, after I graduated from undergrad, I looked through my laptop, and I had more essays written in German than I did in English. I did the same thing, and I, I've deleted a lot of them since. You should have kept because them. I thought about it, but I was like, I'm not going to look at these again. Um, it's because a lot of them were um, like we. I, I was in a film class in in German in uh, in America, and we had to um, actually. This is not just for the film class. This is also for the other one I was in. That was just literature based. We had to um, write a what they what Perry called a laser journal, which is just like a yep. reading journal. Right after every reading assignment we had, and obviously every class or at least once a week we got some sort of reading assignment and so like once a week i was writing at least like a page um or half a page or something at least a couple paragraphs in german right and it definitely made me a much better oh that's another thing i actually wrote down the classroom uh made me a much better writer yeah and uh, I would agree. and and that was you know there was a lot of writing going on in in austria but as i said as i mentioned they were less critical to the grammar Especially sure. in the non-German classes, so like the cultural class, it was in German, but she was way less critical about grammar. She was pretty lenient as far as grammar went. Right, but she was critical about the content. You yes. do have to give her that. Yes, um, it's just yeah, what you're looking for, because like you said, that's a culture class. It's not a German class. So, mm-hmm. and and I mean to be honest, I think it's I think that's actually really good on them that they're not super critical about all the grammar and everything. Right. Because because yeah, it would be unfair to the students who have lower levels of German proficiency. What I will say, though, what I got out of being in Austria um, as a language learner was I picked up more on the subtleties of things because we had an amazing teacher, uh, Frau Sarnett, who Mm -hmm. really did an amazing job, one, in stimulating really interesting conversations in class. Yeah. And number two was teaching us a lot of useful, practical German, whereas I think the grammar is good in terms of academia. But mm-hmm. I think I learned more colloquial spoken German and got so much more confident in just speaking German with people that um, it made a big difference. But I also have to say, I think you and I were also, as they say in German, Ausnahmen or exceptions in that we were pretty serious about speaking German while we were there. We were yeah. two of the few people I remember at our orientation in Marietzell actually speaking German together. Oh, Granted, I'm we didn't, sure. I'm sure of it. Right. And granted, we didn't do it 100% of the time, but we did it quite a bit. 
And I remember one of the nights I was uh, staying up to message or Skype with my parents or something. And uh, my Austrian RA Thomas and uh, his friend Max walked by. And, uh, and I, asked, I asked one of them, I said, I, you know, I said, you know, bist du Thomas or, or whatever, you know, are you Thomas? And he was like, yeah. And they introduced yeah, to themselves, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, and I had spoken want? German with them. And, and I think they were both kind of impressed, you know, in that, uh, that I was so gung-ho about trying to learn and, and practice and speak my German. Yeah. Um, so, I yeah, think but, even, even people that were there um, that were good German speakers, a lot of them weren't that interested in it as we were. As, yeah, you're right. We're definitely uh, exceptions on that, on that part. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, I, yeah, I mean, that was really a legitimate goal for me. I was like, I want to come back speaking like I used to when I, uh, when I lived there. And I think I actually did. If I not think, better, maybe. Oh, probably. Probably. I think that was – I think some of my best German that I spoke was not even in Austria – Right. But I think it was <clears throat> our, when you came back from Austria and we were in, um, in back at college in Albion in Michigan together. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably some of the best German I spoke because even back then uh, we spoke a lot of German together. We communi- we communicated basically only in German unless other people were around. Yeah, I mean, especially I w- sometimes, I wish especially I go- if other people were around. <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good point. It was a good little secret language. Um, I wish I could go back and read through our texts and stuff. Oh um, yeah, I still have some pictures of Snapchats that you sent me, and, and those are also in German. I screenshot like those bad. Getting boys. out of bed first thing on a Sunday morning with your hair all over the place, and right. you're like, I squinty. <laughs> right. Oh, good times. But uh, see, that's another thing that's great about college is I think college. Yes, obviously, there's a ton you can learn in the classroom that will help you professionally, academically, whatever. But I think college also lays the the a very good kind of foundation for putting you in a position where you're confronted with things you're not used to, you need to adapt to them. And I think going from Albion to Vienna, Albion, I think those first two years at Albion lay a great foundation for you and I in terms of social skills, in terms of academics to prepare us to really flourish while we studied abroad. Mm. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I bet you it would have been a very different experience if we would have gone like the second semester freshman year or something like that. Oh, for sure. I don't think I would have been able to handle it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I'd say one thing that both the classroom and studying abroad gave me, but in different aspects, is the uh, better understanding of cultural or historical media or books. I -hmm. think both studying abroad and uh, Albion gave me different aspects of that. So, when we studied abroad, we had very practical cultural experience just through living there. But also, we did get a lot of historical stuff through the culture class and through the music class. I mm-hmm. mean, there's so much I learned from. I mean, I think it's safe to say. I don't know about you, but the class with what's her Shakamaya? Shakamaya. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was probably one of the best classes there. I oh, mean, that was amazing. Far. We took Absolutely a field amazing. trip. We, it was twice a week. We took a field trip. No, nope, it was once, once a every week. week. Yeah. Oh, I thought the class was twice a week. No, we took a field it was, trip once was, a week. It was once a week, and we we did the we did half every the class in the morning. Week. Oh, right. Half the class in the morning, we mm-hmm. learned about what we were going to go see. It was every yes. Wednesday, every Wednesday morning, because otherwise I would not have had to get up early. That's the only reason why <laughs> I remember it. But yeah, it was every Wednesday morning. Uh, we would get to campus at, I think, like 8 thir- 8.30 or 9, and the class went to like noon. It was like a three-hour class. Yeah, it was three hours, yeah. 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 And that was that was the best. I mean, you get that was 
the best way to learn about historical stuff, and, and you mentioned earlier during the uh, untranslatables or something, you were talking about um, about the different periods in um, during uh, during uh, you know European history. Right. And that's when you can really put like a practical uh, understanding to like the Gothic period, the Gothic period, or the Romantic period. Right. And she would specifically say like we're t- learning about the Gothic period today. And then she would have like three or four different Gothic style places that we would mm-hmm. go to, and she'd explain why right. it was this or why it was that. And um, you know, I, I feel like it would be impossible to to really understand that stuff just through books or just through like pictures. It's oh, like for once sure. you're there and she's pointing stuff out and you're like actually looking at it with your real eyes, it's like, oh, like it clicks easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, but for I, sure. That's not to discount Albion because I took uh, one of the classes was, you know, all about literature. Another one was all about film. And I think Perry did a very good job, our German teacher, of teaching us about historical culture through that. So, like, I learned a lot about, um, you know, I've probably lost a lot of it since, but uh, I learned a lot about the different German periods through, like, silent movies was a huge one. Right, yeah. Uh, Germans had a lot of popular silent movies that were creepy. Um, And, you know, a lot. it talked a lot about industrialization and their their sort of, and some of them were, like, how they dealt with uh, different uh, periods of... of, uh, um, uh, abundance or or like a you know depression style, and so it got a, a, a great experience with that, and uh, same with I mean same experience with the books too, and I think that that was something that I think would be harder to do studying abroad, especially with the wide variety of uh, like in our culture class. There's no way we could have it based off of reading novels because right the variety of of level would just make it impossible for some people to ev- to even keep up. Right. Well, yeah, I think the other thing is, too, um, when you learn a foreign language in the country where they do not speak the language versus where it's the the mother tongue, there are different things you need to take advantage of. And so in the States, because German isn't spoken everywhere, you can use things like novels or film or whatever. Whereas I think when you are in the country where they speak the language, you need to go out in the real world and use the language in a real world way, which Mm -hmm. I think is a really good segue because in college, especially if you study a foreign language, you get a lot of just random knowledge, right? From literature, history, grammar, maybe a little bit of culture as well. But you really put a lot of that knowledge into practice once you get there, which Mm -hmm. I think is so amazing about it um, as well. And I think, I think the other thing with college as well is that uh, I think it's also important to, to say it's definitely not for everyone, um, but at the same time, I think that there is so much you can learn from it that if you're on the fence about it, I think it's definitely worth um, doing it. And the thing that I loved about college as well is you can really try to try a lot of new things and try to you know really figure out who you are as a person, right? And I yes. actually remember coming into Albion thinking I was going to do German and business, actually. And I mm. took an econ class, and we I hated it. We could have been it. in all the same classes together. We, we could have. Watch out, Brad. That's exactly Watch what out. I did. Right? <laughs> oh, um, man. Oh, that's funny. I hope, I hope he does hear that one. We'll, we'll see. I don't know if he listens, but that would be hilarious. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I took an econ class. I, I took an econ class. I can't even speak English now. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I just, it wasn't for me, you know? Yeah. And I think I do have the personal skills that I could do something maybe business-related, 
but just not finance or econ related, you know? Yeah. But I mean, but, every, everyone can be in a business related job. Yeah. Those classes are tough. And some of them I took, like, I mean, I, some of them were above my head and I graduated uh, as with the right. econ major. Like a, a lot of them turned into like full on calculus classes. And I was like, I did not sign up for this. Right. But uh, as far as working in like an office and doing business related stuff, anyone, it's just, you learn that stuff. Like most of the stuff I've, Excel that I learned on the job rather than stuff I learned from school. Oh, definitely. Which still is kind of like going and studying abroad, right? Yeah. A lot of the stuff that... And, and there are certain things you learn and you grow from when you study abroad that is not the same when you study on campus. Now, obviously, if you move across the country, then then in a way, it's kind of a mini study abroad, but you're still in the same country speaking the same language maybe a fairly similar culture. Whereas study abroad, for me, it's kind of like for experimentation and finding out who you are, it's it's like you're doing that on steroids when you study abroad. Because yes. you're moving somewhere new, you don't know anybody, or if you're lucky, you have an awesome friend like Jared there with you um, to have an awesome time. Unless Perry doesn't let us live together. <laughs> Which, that was hilarious. Our, our German professor didn't want us to live together because he thought we would speak too much English. Which is, that's fair. I'll give him and that. He, that's totally fair. He's a valid fair. point for yeah. the normal man. But right. not for someone but like you and I. We are not normal men. That is for sure. <laughs> Far yes. from it. But, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, for me, it was just such a big learning experience. And when you study abroad, you develop a new kind of independence. Because mm-hmm. especially if you go across the ocean and you're on another continent than your parents, because you have to figure shit out yourself. Yes. Your yes. parents can't really do that for you when you're in a foreign country. And I remember, did I ever tell you the story about when I went to go get my residency permit, what happened? I don't think so. So I went there with my roommate, Ian, who was supposed to also be there for the entire Tyrone. year. Ty- <laughs> or AKA Tyrone. We all had nicknames <laughs> at, our, at our apartment. And uh, good times. And so what was funny, though, was that he, so we, so in Austria, first of all, Austria in a lot of ways is similar to Germany in that it's very bureaucratic and you have to follow the steps exactly how they want and blah, blah, blah. So Mm. I sent in my visa. Um, It's all good. Went to the consulate, talked to the woman at the consulate. She said everything was fine. I paid the fee. Just a quick question. Yeah. Did you have to do this because you were there for a year? Yes. Okay. That's why I don't. You have to get a residency permit instead of... Uh, like a student visa, like a th- six-month okay. visa. Sorry so it's a little bit. You're, you're okay. good. Wondering why. Yeah, because you, you had a visa. <laughs> I remember you had a visa stamped in your passport. I had a card. Uh, I had an okay. actual like ID like card. Like an ID card, okay. Yeah, exactly. That said Aufenthaltsbewilligung, which is a beautiful German word for residency permit. Mm. Um, and so anyways, so and I found out through a friend of mine, Christina, they're actually becoming harder and harder to get now, which is, which is hmm. a bummer because Austria is a great place. But anyways, so... I paid for, you know, my residency permit. They, they take your thumbprints and you pay. And then in theory, you're all good, right? They've processed your documents. If there would have been an error, they would have told you everything was fine, right? Mm. So then the way it works in, at the magistrate in Austria, you pull a number. But it's not like a usual place where you pull a number and then, you know, it'll be 001-002-003. They pop up randomly. Mm. So you could be waiting there for five minutes, 30 minutes. Three hours just depends on when your random number pops up on the screen. And so I go there with Ian and we we just got one and we both went together. And so the woman gives him his residency permit, signs a paper saying, you know, I've received my residency permit. He's good to go. I see her open up my file. I see my card on the top of the file. 
Mm-hmm. No so notes, close. no nothing on it. <laughs> and then she asks me in German, do you have 4,000 euros in an Austrian bank account? I was, what, 20 at the time? <laughs> of course well, I didn't rich. have... Right? Of course I don't have 4,000 euros in, in an Austrian bank account. And so she says, yeah, in order for you to receive your residency permit, you need 4,000 euros in an Austrian bank account. And I But was, she didn't I, ask Ian that. And so he was sitting in the room with me with his residency permit in his hand. And we tried to explain to her, like, look, we both, you know, have sent in all the paperwork, you know, our parents' bank statements, everything. So, you know, we were being supported financially by our parents during our study abroad. You know, mm-hmm. that's fairly normal. And um, so I asked her, I said, could you please go talk to your supervisor or your your, your boss or whatever and double check? And she says, sure. So she leaves. I said this very politely all in German, you know, was, was trying mm-hmm. to be as nice as possible. You don't want to piss these people off. You right, know, have right. your residency permit right there. <laughs> so close. <laughs> and so she comes back 10 minutes later and she says, yeah, I'm, I'm very sorry, but you need to get, uh, you, you need to have four. So I called my parents immediately and I was furious. And I also had three weeks left on my, on my regular tourist visa. Right. Um, so it was getting, starting to get close. And so I called, I called the director of IES where we were studying, told him what happened. And I was talking to Helmut, who's this super chill, awesome Austrian dude. Mm-hmm. He's like, Chad, don't worry. <laughs> it's it's all going to be fine, and he called me down, and so then um, then I went a couple weeks later, and uh, turns out I go into the room, and it was the woman who I had initially met with, who had who I had paid and done my thumbprints, um, you know, the one who said, yeah, everything's good. Right. Next time you come back, you can get it. She hands me my residency permit and says, "Einen schönen Tag noch." Like, have a nice day. <laughs> I think. I I think a lot of that just has to do with, I mean, clearly, but a lot of it has to do with who you get, for sure. Yep. Some of those people want to be like the super bureaucrats. (laughs) Right, exactly. But see, that really Uh. taught me, um, I still still obviously get worried and a little stressed out, but I think, one, traveling with you was a big help to chill me out a bit, and two, that whole experience has made me much more relaxed dealing with bureaucracy, which can be a very stressful thing when you study abroad. Or even when you're dealing with bureaucracy on campus as well. It's important mm-hmm. to be patient, be polite, and a lot of times a nice gesture will go a long way. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of those bureaucratic situations, same in the U.S. With when you're dealing with passport stuff, is a lot of it is at the discretion of the person at that desk. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah, there are rules and stuff, but a, lo- a lot of it has to do with who you got and how friendly they slash you are to them. And uh, and so, yeah, I think that goes a long way. That is a good point, though, that I brought up as well. As far as one of the uh, downsides of studying abroad is that it is expensive. Oh, for sure. I mean, and it's unfortunate that at least I believe for our German major, we had to do it. And uh, I mean, it's not unfortunate yeah, that we had to do sem- it. A semester. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate that it's, it's, limiting it's a to financial a lot of burden. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, we're, we're we're lucky that our parents could help us, but oh, a lot of people sure. in college, you know, don't have that, or they already are on massive amounts of financial aid and and loans right. and stuff, and it's like, and do I want to add this to that? Right. Um, but yeah, it's pricey to participate. Living expenses are pricey, and if you want to travel, or you know, not even if you want to travel, but a lot of times, like um, just getting there and back. The trip like is is very expensive. Can be very expensive, absolutely. And it is prohibitively expensive to a lot of people. Absolutely. And, uh, I think we're. I, mean, I don't think. I mean, we're lucky 
and all the people that are there were lucky. But like, we also had to do it to even get our major. Right. And it's like, so right. if I can't afford this, do I, I can't get a German major? It's like, no, you can't. Right. Right. But I think there are also probably ways around it. I thought, I thought at Albion you could also do a year in the international house if you couldn't afford study abroad. Oh, maybe. Could I mean, have been, I, but I already knew I was going to do study abroad. So. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I still, in hindsight, really wish you could have spent the whole year with me there. Man, that yeah. would have been great. I mean, I think that was just uh, like a fear thing on my part, you know? Right. And it, it felt like, uh, it, you know, it seems foolish now, but it felt like so long to be away from Albion for a year. And that's a good point. I think FOMO or fear of missing out yes. is a big thing for study abroad because once you get kind of ingrained in the college campus culture and you have your friends and your stuff, um, you know, you have clubs or sports or, or you know, whatever. Um, there is a big fear of, you know, well, what am I missing? But at least when I was in Vienna, especially that second semester after you, after you were gone, I mean, dude, every day just hopping on the tram and seeing all the beautiful architecture kind of made me forget it, you know? I mean... Oh, yeah. I mean, I had the FOMO. Um, that's ex- that's a perfect way to explain it because I think that's definitely what it was. It's like, what, I think my, I'm going to come back and my friends are going to be like, who's this guy? Right. Uh, but like, uh, Fuck you, Jared. You <laughs> left us for a year. I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> but like, I think within like maybe a month, of studying abroad, I was like, shit, I should have stayed for a year. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and, but then it's so funny too, because the irony is at that point, I have the FOMO of missing, uh, of, you know, the, the FOMO of missing out, the FOMO of um, not being in Austria. Right. Where it's like, oh, my friends are, like, some of my friends are going to be there for a year and I got to go back already. It's like, right. there's so much more I could see and do. Oh, for sure. And a semester for study abroad is so short, especially mm-hmm. if you're having a good time. Now, some people go to study abroad and it's not for them. They're miserable. And then right. a semester can feel like an, an eternity. I felt but, like I was just getting into it. Yep. Well, see, that's the issue. And I remember coming back for Christmas to visit my parents and, and you know, come back to Michigan. And I remember thinking I felt so bad for my roommates who were leaving because for me, yeah, it felt so quick, but I knew mm. I was coming back. Right. right? And it was crazy going back to Albion and seeing everyone before I went back to Vienna, um, you know, and, and, but I didn't feel bad about it. I was so right. excited to get back. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think the other thing about study abroad is, yes, you will miss your friends on campus, but you'll make so many new ones and some of them will be friends for life, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, still yeah. in contact with Tomas to this day, mm-hmm. um, Ian here and there, Will here, here and there, uh, my roommates from Austria. You just saw one uh, a, a couple weeks ago in Prague or in uh christina she's studied abroad oh duh i yeah uh, (laughs) you just brought her up (laughs) exactly i was thinking more of my roommates but yeah exactly exactly um so yeah so i think that's the other thing and uh with study abroad i think you can make some really meaningful relationships lifelong friends maybe you'll have a study abroad fling like i did get your heart broken Mm -hmm. i think it's still it's part of the process and i think it's worth it if i could if i could go back i think i would have done things a little differently which that would be a good episode we should do an episode on that (laughs) <laughs> if we could go back to study abroad, knowing what we know now, what we would do. That might be interesting. Oh, man, that um, might get messy. <laughs> I, I, think it'd be, I think it'd be worth it. It might get messy, but I think it'd be worth it. The other thing, though, too, about studying abroad is I think you gain a newfound appreciation for your college campus, your home country, and your friends and family. Um, yes. And it can be good and bad. You know, I, I definitely became much more critical about the United States after spending a year abroad. You know, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I can also relate to that 
having lived in Germany for four years, when I when it was time for me to come back, I both missed it because it was tenth grade, or I knew I was like I was sad because it was tenth grade. You know, I was close to finishing high school. Right. Obviously, I had made friends for four years, and they were good friends. That sucked, but at the same time. Weirdly, I had like a mature moment at 15 or whatever, 16, where I felt like it was time. Like I felt like like I was ready to go back and I, I had a different sort of appreciation for um, for America, especially after having lived in Germany for four years. It's like a lot of those um, – a lot of the conveniences of America, whether it be free refills or um, right. or being able to hop in a car to go places, a lot easier – um, having a license at 16 rather than having to wait till 18 and still probably not driving really because it's so expensive in Germany. Right. right. Like, I appreciated so much of those things so much more. And um, yeah, I, I think that it just gives, I mean, this is the same thing with studying abroad, but it just gave me and I assume you a better perspective of college. Uh, yeah, and, for sure. And America in general. And and like, not just college, but like the people that we're friends with, I, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. there is something to... You know, being comfortable and having to quote unquote start over. You know, it's kind of right. a dumb thing to say start over, but like make but friends it, but again. But it kind of is. It's reestablishing those connections and relationships. And the thing is, after I studied abroad, I, I kind of figured out who my real friends were on campus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you realize who's actually shout out to me, r- right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, you're you were you were number one, anyways. But yeah, I mean, it's really easy to figure out who your true friends are after you study abroad because. The people who you just hung out with because it was convenient kind of start to do other things and you come back. Yeah. And yeah, the other thing too that... It focuses your friend group to, who, oh, for to sure. your real friends, not for just sure. the people that were your next door neighbors in your dorm right. or whatever. Exactly. And we spent a ton of time together senior year after I came back. Oh, yeah. And pretty sure. much every day. Every day yeah. we spent... Remember we would do 100 push-ups a day? Those were the days. Yeah. I, I don't even think I could do 100 push-ups <laughs> right now. Um, I was, that was crazy, sore. <laughs> right? Yeah, we should maybe we should start doing that. Um, but oh anyways, God. another thing though too that can happen during college, but I think will definitely happen during study abroad is things will go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. My first day of classes, as I went to come home, I got on the tram going the opposite direction I was supposed to be going in. Very mm-hmm. stupid, easy mistake, um, but it took me forty minutes to get home, and. For someone who it's your first time in a new country and uh, you're, you speak the language, but, you know, it's a different dialect than what you're used to right? and everything, it really teaches you that, you know, look, it'll be all right. Don't panic. You'll figure it out. And I think that has really given me a lot of extra discipline as I've gotten older. I don't think I would have applied to some of the jobs I've applied for in different countries, especially mm-hmm. in the Czech Republic, had I have not spent time abroad. I think I can relate. Uh, one, I think when I lived in Germany, a lot of this also has to, is familiar to living in Germany because it is, you know, putting yourself into a completely different situation and, you know, making new friends and stuff. Right. But I become, that's that's really when I started wandering and being a good wanderer. You know, I had a bicycle, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. And I would just go for as far as I could and then just be like, I don't know where I am, but I know I've been going straight for the past hour. So like, it's, I'm right. not lost. Right. Um, and so that made me way more like comfortable to get lost uh, when I was in Austria too. But I think that's also how you learn. Like that's how you learn about a new place too, is by ending up in places that you didn't expect, mm-hmm. not just being like, I'm going to go here or I'm going to go here, but being like, 
oh, how did I get here? Oh, that's cool. Where am I? Kind of stuff. Right. And I, oh, I for think, sure. I think that's that's a useful skill to have. And I think another thing in terms of through all the experiences, whether it's in the classroom or outside of the classroom in college um, or abroad, studying abroad, is you will never be the same again. I mean, it really changes you as a person. Um, mm. When I think back of who it I sounds was... sounds cheesy, but I agree. It's true. I mean, it's super cliche <laughs> and super cheesy. Although, let's be honest, out of the two of us, I'm the one that usually brings the cheesiness anyway. So I guess it... Yeah. It, exactly. It has to come from me. <laughs> but the thing is, um, it's so true. Looking back when I was a freshman versus who I was when I graduated, I was a completely different person. Mm. I had a newfound sense of confidence. Um, you know, my German skills were so much better. Uh, I was more well-traveled. You know, I had some stories I could tell and things like that. And and it's it's just great. It's a great experience overall. And um, I think everybody, if they have the opportunity to study abroad and study at a college or university, it's definitely worth it um, in the long run, even though you may be in some financial debt for a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even me, even someone who, you know, got a lot of support from my family, I had had internships and jobs that, that were all paid. And it was it was definitely a, uh, put a hurt on my bank account by the by the time I got back. But I obviously I think it was worth it, and, and it's not really that money wasn't that important for twenty year old me or whatever it was. Right. Um, shit, I had something I was gonna say and I forgot. Oh, you mentioned that it, you know gave you newfound confidence and stories and stuff. I when I got back from studying abroad, I was very I think too hesitant to talk about it. Okay. Like I had friends. And family that that were that were, more friends, family it was mm-hmm. easier to talk about. But I had friends that would be like, uh, I have no idea like what you did when you studied abroad, or like I have no idea what went over went on over there. Right. It's because I just so did not want to be that person where it's like, oh, you guys are doing that. I mean, in right. Austria they would never do that, or like, right, sure. <laughs> or someone like our friend, um, let's just say, KW, who came back with a. You'll know who I'm talking about when I explain this. Who came okay. back with a Scottish accent. After studying oh, abroad. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's Madonna or something. Right. I so, I mean, obviously I'm not going to come back like, hello, how, how, like with the German accent. What, what, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't we eating dinner right now? What is this? Yeah, do you have any schnitzel or kartoffel salat? Yeah, I, I, I really don't want to have this food here. I would prefer to eat the... The, uh, the potato salad and also please some some more bratwurst or or some Käsekreiner, bitte. Yeah, I agree with you. You don't want to be that snooty person coming back from studying abroad. Like, now America sucks because you've lived in Europe right. for uh, four months or whatever. But a lot of people do really feel that. You know, yeah. I I didn't feel like America sucked. I just felt. But that out also of wasn't place. your first experience abroad, right? Right. The, the other thing. The, well, out the of other place th- how? What do you mean? I mean, I just, I felt like when I came back that I didn't completely belong at Albion, but I also didn't completely belong in Austria. Like, it's kind mm. of this weird little, you're like, now you feel kind of connected to Austria and Austrian culture, but then at the same time when you come back, like, like I've told people when I'm abroad, I feel way more American than when I'm actually back in the States. When I'm back in the States, right. I feel so much less American because I don't mean to sound like a dick here, but because I speak, you know, foreign languages and I've done some traveling, there are a lot of I Americans who, too. who, who, yeah, who, who can't say that. Um, when I, when like, I first mm-hmm. got back, from, oh, sorry. Well, all I wanted to say as well is like your, 
your sense of identity really changes as well. And I think mm. that's probably why I felt slightly out of place. When I first got back from Germany, I uh, had a good friend, Lance. Uh, I went to a Catholic school, and so we 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 became good friends because um, our uh, we had chapel. You know, I was Catholic school, so we had mass twice a week, and it was right. you know we, we we had assigned seats by your name. His last name was Miller. My last name's Minor, so we sat right next to each other. And um, he would always joke. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not sure. Actually, if this was a joke, I felt like a joke to me because I couldn't understand it. But you know, he'd always joke saying how he thought I was British or like how I'm British. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I and you know, it was funny to me because it was like I I still speak like an American, right. but I think it was just commenting on the fact that like like I think there was something to that, and there was something to me having to reacclimate to being an American mm-hmm. in America um, after living in Germany for four years. Not just four years though, like the most like integral part of my life at kind of like sure. 11 to 15 where Absolutely. you're really like trying to like thinking that you're becoming your own person right and so i think there really was something to me like having to get back into and get comfortable with like american shit again mm-hmm. oh and for sure it definitely took a while and so i don't know i honestly to this day i still don't know if he was joking or seriously thought i was british right. but like in theory, I, I understood where he was coming from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I also, I also want to go back real quick to what you mentioned about not wanting to talk about your experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there tends to be two types of people that come back from study abroad: ones that don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be that person. Yeah, who's bragging about it, like and then the person down who's bragging upon America. About it. <laughs> right. But see, I think, I think the thing is that, and I remember hearing this at one of the like study abroad orientations after I came back. Because, you know, coming back, um, you know, home culture shock is also a thing, especially once you get acclimated to living in a place where, like, everything's new, everything's cool, everything's exciting. You know, there's a big honeymoon period. And I think because you were only in Austria for that one semester, the whole time probably felt like a honeymoon period. Mm Mm-hmm. For That's, me, as I mentioned before, I felt like I was just getting into it when I left. Right, right. And for me, towards the last two months, I mean, obviously, some of it had to do with, like, relationship problems with the girl I was seeing at the time. But, like, I think the honeymoon period was over and it started to set in more for me, like, oh, shit, I'm not going to be here forever. And that's mm-hmm. another big thing with study abroad is you learn how to deal with the the impermanence of it and the temporary, you know, it being temporary. But trying to really, I know this will sound cliche and cheesy as well, but trying to take full advantage of it and, and really just enjoy every day you have there. Um, and yeah. the other thing, too, that I think I really learned that I'm sure you can relate with, too, is being in a place where you don't always understand everything that's going on around you, I think is is really good and can be really eye-opening. I think humbling. it's a acquired skill too. Like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to uh to be in situations like that and sort of mentally accept that you're just not gonna get everything. You know? Right. As, you know, as, you can get a little uh self-conscious maybe, or you can you can feel like uh you have that FOMO even sta- being around people. Mm-hmm. But I think it is an actual skill to be around people and accept that you don't know what's going on all the time. And right. um especially with when you're with an international audience where it's like mm-hmm. I don't I don't one, I think it helps that for us especially we've both been in situations where it's like you almost feel bad being the the American or the one that can't fully qui- like you've had this I'm sure plenty in uh I mean you talk about it during Easter you've, yep. been, you've had this a lot in Czech Republic where like you kind of feel bad that you're like almost forcing people to speak English just for you when everyone there speaks Czech except for you right and being that sort and kind of slowing it down and it's I a think, shitty feeling for sure yeah but I think you also part of that is also 
you or anyone, but I'm you know you specifically being in the Czech Republic is getting used to being in situations where people are talking, and you don't understand it all, but you're still part of it in a weird way, even though you're not right. actively communicating in that part of the conversation. Sure. Yeah, and sometimes it's good to just be there. Yes. You know? Observe. Um, shut absolutely. up. It helps you. It helps you not talk. I think. That was a big thing that helped me to be able to, as I ramble on here, it helped me to like not talk a little bit easier, mm-hmm. knowing that there's and situations where you just can't. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, Jared, I'm going to do an interesting experiment this summer. Um, don't know how my parents are going to feel about it, but I think I'm going to take try to take two to three days and do a vow of silence and just not talk. Interesting. Yeah. We we can th- we can talk about that later though because I want to stay on topic but that just reminded okay. me of that. Um, but <laughs> I think kind I've of volunteer- for the- like involuntarily done that just because I spent <laughs> right, a lot of time right. by myself. <laughs> right. But see, the whole reason for that is kind of the same thing: is to to listen more. I mm-hmm. think we get so quickly in a rut of talking all the time that we forget how to listen. And studying abroad really does open up your ears, and you kind of have to. You know, yeah. if you really want to absorb the culture and everything going on, you have to be a good listener. Especially so Jared, for I, a lot of the people that aren't as good of language speakers, especially for our in our program. Like, not right. everyone there was, like, a great German speaker. Sure. So you kind of have to learn to stand down a bit. Sorry, what mm-hmm. were you about to say? You're good. So um, do you have anything else that you'd like to discuss regarding things you've learned in college or abroad? Um, I think... Um, one more thing mm-hmm. in the classroom, I think I, well, we kind of, maybe we already kind of talked about this, but I think I, I built, it helps you, you met, well, you mentioned building a good relationship with your classmates, but I think I also, and I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I am going to, and saying that I, and I think you also built a great relationship with our German teacher. Of course. I think that it's, but I think that's hard to do in a short amount of time for me being a semester, but having had Perry for essentially three years. And I think that really helps the, uh, like the lesson is really mm-hmm. feeling like you have a good rapport with your teacher. Know him. Like, I, I don't know about you, but like, I, like I would joke around in class and like, I would, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes like Perry was good at like taking jokes too. Oh, he, he was, was great. Very, he could so, crack like, I, some good jokes too. Oh yeah. So like sometimes like I would do like a, like a, you know, like a, you know, this is classroom. I'm not being an asshole. Like I do like a slight burn right. and he like right. throw it back and I'm like, Oh, I love right. Like it was great. Right. And so I think that that makes a big difference too, is not only having that relationship with your classmates, but with the teacher too. And I right. had a great relationship with, I'd say all my teachers except for, um, the one that uh, coined my uh, nickname Jart. We didn't really have the best relationship, I would say. She but, she was uh, a little stuck up, though. Right. It didn't seem like she had the best relationship with many people. <laughs> right. Right. And she but, she was pretty cold to me as well and finally warmed up to me second semester. I think it was because mm. I was the only familiar face in right. her, like, music in Vienna 2 class. But, like, all the other teachers, Shaka Meyer, Sanet, uh, actually one of the econ teachers, uh, he didn't actually both of them but that's also to be fair i did fall asleep on a pretty regular basis in one of them <laughs> right right yeah but that's think, not gonna uh, win you a ton of points that's for that's sure kind of on me that might be on me right right just just a little <laughs> maybe yeah but like i think i had a great relationship with um with perry and i think that that one makes it easier to go to class and uh also helps you 
be a better student because you understand mm-hmm. his teaching style for sure and what he's and how he teaches and what he's looking for and stuff and it helps you sort of focus your uh, your educational right more. and it makes and it makes class much more enjoyable without for a doubt. sure for um, sure and that's that's the other thing uh, and this kind of brings our main segment full circle so i really appreciate that last tidbit you gave us because you betcha you know i started with our what we've learned from college and study abroad is really making those relationships whether they be with your professors, with your fellow classmates. I also think there's a lot of kind of collectivity or working in groups and in teams in college, which is great. Obviously, it's not always awesome to be in group projects, depending on who you're working with. Right. But I think there is still a lot to be learned there. And I want to give all of our listeners out there just some tips so hopefully they can make the most out of their college or study abroad experiences. Number one, my first tip is... I think everybody should be trying to figure out who they are, but also not be afraid to be themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was lucky that I had a lot of friends who were musicians and could play music with them a lot, and it helped me grow as a musician quite a bit. The other thing is be open-minded and don't be afraid to say yes. I mean, you kind of have to do this when you study abroad, but also give this a try (laughs) or say say that when you're on (laughs) campus as well. The other thing is to make your college town or your city also where you study abroad Make it your home. Go out, explore, find new things, try new things. Mm -hmm. Um, This is best done with friends and also with locals if you're studying abroad. Also, let yourself fall in love with the campus, your friends, your lady friends or your boyfriends. Um, Really embrace it. Embrace it with open arms and let it be a truly life-changing and amazing experience. And the last thing is um, really just make the most out of it, you know, enjoy every second you can. There's so much you can learn from it. And the other thing is too, which one thing I love about doing this podcast with you, Jared, is the ability to reflect. And Mm -hmm. I think when you are in college and when you study abroad, we don't reflect enough. And I think you really learn to appreciate and value the experiences and things you learn through reflecting on the good and the bad, because I think there can be a lot learned from the good and the bad. But moving on, I think we should go to the good for today, which mm-hmm. is definitely the song of the pod, <clears throat> which is by uh, my close buddy David, His uh, one of his students. Their band is called White Fruit Honey, and the song of this uh, episode is called Hviezdarna, um, which, do you know what that means, Jared? Did you look no, it up? I did not you look didn't. it up. All right, no. good. I can give it to you then. Hviezdarna, <laughs> uh, that's a tough one for me to say. Hviezdarna. Uh, is like an observatory or like a planetarium kind of observatory to see okay. the stars is what it means. And I actually have the lyrics pulled up here. Um, so thankfully, they were nice enough to put the lyrics up on the below the description for the YouTube video. So oh, yeah, I have the lyrics. And um, basically, I'll just I'll give our listeners the gist of the song, at least according to Google Translate. Now, take this with a grain of salt. This is right. through Google Translate. There might be some untranslatables in there. <laughs> Absolutely. But basically, I think the song is kind of about being together with your friends, you know, looking at the stars at this observatory and just just kind of taking in the beauty of everything and really just embracing it, taking it in, which also kind of re- relates to what we've been talking about today quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but let me tell you the story, Jared, of, of why I chose this song for this week. So mm-hmm. I was scrolling through Facebook um, on the train, actually, on my six-hour train ride, sitting on the floor, so glorious. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I saw this YouTube video with my buddy David's face on the thumbnail. 
And I'm oh, like, what? Do you stumble upon this? Yes, I stumbled upon this on oh Facebook. Oh my gosh, I assume David told you about it or no, something. No, 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 he did not tell me about it. And uh, I did tell him, though, I listened to it and I was a big fan. But David actually does a shout out in the beginning of it. Could, mm. you, could you play it for our listeners out there, that intro with David talking? Yeah, hold on. I actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I can't probably play more than that because of our, uh, I got to find it. But because um, I did have a question about that intro. But mm-hmm. well, I'll obviously ask you after I, oh, here it is. Hey, y'all, this is Kulishek. And I just want to say that White Fruit Honey is the best band that I've ever heard in my life. He also got a little Southern there, too. He White did, Fruit he Honey. Did. <laughs> he did. I like it. I, I like it. It sounds my great. question for you regarding that was, what does Galishek mean? Kulishek is his nickname. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's his nickname. I d- actually don't know what it means, to be honest okay. with you. I'll, I'll have to ask him. I was worried you were going to ask me that. Not he's he's I actually wrote it traveling. Down on my notes. Uh, right. David calls himself Galishek, but it's Kolishek. Kolishek, yeah. With oh, the, with a K. Okay. Uh, he's he's actually in Italy right now. So I saw uh, that. Not yeah, not super reachable. Um, but shout out to David first of all for doing that intro for his students, which I think mm-hmm. is a great way to support and encourage your students, which I'm always 100 percent all for. But it's a great song. I love the guitar in there. Has a nice little melody. I think the lyrics sound really nice in Czech. Yeah. Um, it's, you know it's, who, a pre- it's a pretty song, yeah? You know who it reminded me of? Have you heard of a band called The Kooks? Yeah. That's who it reminded me of. Okay. The Young Czech Kooks. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I hope they're cool with that as well. Uh, that's a good name for a band. <laughs> right. Ah, that's funny. The Young Czech Kooks. That's great. But yeah, it's absolutely awesome. It's a great song. I think it's very well written. It's very catchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the lyrics sound great. I love the guitar work in there. Um, it's awesome. And I actually realized I met... I believe it's the drummer. Um, while I was visiting David in Hradec uh, Kralove, yeah, okay, okay. Pretty sure her name's Petya, I think, if I remember correctly. But yeah, so I think it's we need awesome. to, yeah, we need to uh, talk to David and let them know that they're uh, the song of the pod for episode ninety-four, and that their song is on the Untranslatable Podcast uh, Song of the Pod playlist officially now. And where can they find that, Jared? On our YouTube Untranslatable Podcast, where you can also see. This episode minus the first 22 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So to all of our listeners out there, check it out. I think it's uh-huh. a good representation of how pretty the Czech language can sound in song, which is great. Yeah. And uh, it's a great song. And these are all students. They're all, I think, like 17, 18, or 19, somewhere around there. And I Makes think sense. they did a fantastic job. So shout out to you guys. White fruit honey. I can't say it like David King. It sounds so much smoother Slipping when he says it. And I, um, but it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah? I think out of all the Czech music I've heard, I mean, all of it through you, essentially, you made a good point that this is probably the first one I've heard that is the most... Ooh, I'm going to use a big word here. The most mellifluous... Oh, <laughs> I think if you wouldn't have prefaced it with that, it would have been fine. The most mellifluous... Mellifluous? There we go. Is that uh, it? Y- yeah. It's the most mellifluous uh, use of the Czech language in music. A lot of because a lot of the other songs we listen to have been whether it be reggae or or rock, a little mm-hmm. bit more aggressive in the tone. Right. But this is the first one that this really makes chill. it sound. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it gives it a Peaceful. more. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. we we've talked a lot about 
uh, in our private life about how it's annoying when people say that German is a harsh language. Right. Because then we'll play, say, for example, Winter im Süden or Winter. I guess I don't know. I said Winter. Yeah. Winter im Süden by uh, Waldorf and Stettler, and it's like this is not aggressive at all. It's like you just right. have to find it. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I was always like, I mean, Czech. Obviously, you can sing with it, but it just doesn't. Like you know, we're talking when we compare it to our favorite uh, music language of Spanish. Like it's just right. can't, com- can't si, compete. Senor. Right, but it's just like you gotta find you gotta find the stuff, you know. Oh, for sure. And Spanish can sound aggressive too if you listen to like reggaeton, where they're like yelling with like a uh, um, shoot, what's a vuvuzela? No, no. What's that <laughs> thing? Uh, uh, what are they yelling with? Like Bullhorns? A, 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 like what do you call that thing? I'm totally blanking on it right now. It's like a loudspeaker, like a a bullhorn. Is that what it's called? The thing where it's like the horn that you talk into and it yeah. like electrically projects. Yeah, it's a yeah, bullhorn. Yeah, it's called a bullhorn. Interesting. Okay. I think so. Interesting. Anyways, well, That's yeah. what they call that at school, in okay. elementary school, because they use those to call out. Yeah, bullhorn. You're talking okay. about, you hold it, there's a little trigger yeah. thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a bullhorn. Okay, interesting. Okay. Or Learning megaphone. All sorts they also of call megaphone. it megaphone. That's what I've heard before. Okay. okay. Nice. I used but, to call yeah. it a bullhorn. I like that. I think better. that's a brand. Now that I just googled it, I think that's actually a brand. Okay. Yeah, hey, that's just a like specific brand. Just like, like Kleenex. Kleenex. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So check that out on our Twitter, Untranslatable One. White fruit honey. Uh, Fiesdarna. Cannot say that word for the life of me today. <laughs> but yeah. But speaking of Czech words that I have difficulty pronouncing, that leads us to our Czech word of the pod today, which is. Um, <laughs> Skusanosti. Any idea, Jared, what skusanosti uh, means? My first thought would be like, excuse me, or something like okay. that. I'm going to let Google Translate do it because I butchered it. Skusanosti. Skusanosti. Yep, there you go. Skusanosti. You did it well. You just put the emphasis in the wrong spot. Right. I always do that. My colleagues at school have mentioned that. Uh, because in English, we put the stress in different syllables, and Czech, it usually mm-hmm. falls on the first. But mm-hmm. this word, Jared, it means experience. Because I, okay. think, I think the big things you learn in college and study abroad, a lot of it comes from experience. Yes, you learn a ton in the classroom as well, but I think it's that experience outside of the classroom that really makes it something memorable. Mm-hmm. Speaking of experience, I've been trying to experience some Spanish. And you also mentioned emphasis. That's mm-hmm. been a real struggle for me because what I've learned is that the accent marks in Spanish words, they don't tell you how to say like the A or I or something. It's where you put the emphasis in the word. Where the stress is, exactly. Right. That really throws me off. Like there are a mm-hmm. lot of words where I got to like really think about it before I say it because just like the way that I would read it as an English speaker puts emphasis automatically in a different spot. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so my Spanish word. I don't have a specific one, but I've learned so much, and I've been trying not to also just like, um, just like ask for like a random word to use for a Spanish word of the pod. I want to actually talk like words that I've learned in my lessons. Okay. One that I like that I think could get a lot of use. I want to know if you know it. Ayuda. Or does that uh, does that mean ayuda? help? Yes. Wow. All right. All right. So ayuda or ayuda me, which is help me. Mm-hmm. Or ayuda los, which is, do you know what ayuda los means? If ayuda me has helped me, ayuda los is help uh, them. Help them. Okay. Yeah. See, that's a tricky thing with Spanish is the verb conjugations. I still have a lot of problems with those. Sydney says she was mad that that uh, that you told you told me 
that uh, the Spanish conjuga- conjugations are so hard. She doesn't think they are, and she thinks that uh, now that's in my head that they're <laughs> that they're Oop, difficult. Oh, I'm already on her bad side. Uh oh, watch out. Uh, oh damn! I, but yeah. to me, they were more difficult than German. I will say that, but that's just me. Okay. I mean, but I'd I also probably have more with you exposure that, to German. I was about to say, I'd yeah. agree with you, but that's someone that can speak way more German than Spanish, obviously. Can you can you do me a favor? Because you you have access to this, and I really don't. I think what you need to do the next time you have your profesora mm-hmm. or your senorita with you, um, I think you should try to have her speak Spanish to you and do like 30 minutes where you guys do something together, cooking or something. Have her speak Spanish the whole time. I guarantee you there will be a shit ton you will understand based on context. Okay. You should have her do that. But the key is she needs to speak. Well, I mean, she probably already knows, but she needs to speak slowly, repeat a lot of things. Like, you know, if if like you're talking and you're cook, like cooking would be a really good one because there'd be a lot of vocabulary you could learn and you could be. And I do a lot of cooking. Exactly. Well. And, and you know, it, it would be like where she, I have, you know, my little teacup here, my actually my Christmas market, Vinox Mark cup. Um, you know, she could say, you know, give me the cup and repeat using that word cup. Um, and I guarantee you, you'd learn a lot of words. I'd like you to see if she'd be down for that. And then I would like to hear about your experience on it. Um, because I think it's a, it's a super huge advantage, especially to have a significant other who is fluent in another language. Uh, I'm sure she'd be, I'm sure she'd be down for that. Um, and I like also, I mean, she's not a teacher. Um, so I do like for, for getting like teaching tips from you who actually knows how to properly teach a language. Right. Um, and I'm sure she'd be down for that. I, I don't know why she wouldn't be. Right. Um, she already randomly speaks Spanish around me anyway. So. Yes. That's, <laughs> dude, you find yourself a keeper, man. Uh, but yeah, so I, I've, I'm going on with the lessons and it's, it's been exciting. I, I like it. Nice. And uh, I, I think one day I could uh, really uh, start to be conversational. She did say that soon, uh, maybe in a couple weeks or so, she's going to start having me write like um, like a paragraph about like what I did with my day or something like that. Oh, that's good. And that's a good way to practice past tense. That's really mm-hmm. good. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Well, Jared, <laughs> that, that's, that's right. Well, now it's time for a couple jokes. So here okay. we go, Jared. Um. So, um, oh no, I won't do that one. I won't, I won't do that one. Um, okay. Does it have to do study abroad related? Something about studying abroad? No, th- it would have been a really clear, too easy jab at University of Michigan. I'm not going to do it. Oh. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so here you go, Jared. Why did Why did the son skip college? Uh, why is that? Because it already has a million degrees. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good one. Right. Um, okay. Uh, why why shouldn't we encourage people to go to college? <laughs> uh, I mean, I could think of a lot of reasons that aren't jokes, but <laughs> <laughs> well, Jared, because the, there's barely enough parking as it is. <laughs> oh man, that, that's last, actually very true. It is that one. Sometimes the best <laughs> comedy lies in the truth. That's for sure. So, Jared, what did the buffalo say to his son when he left for college? Um. I don't know. What, what, what do you say? Bison. Ooh, that's good. Right? Like bison. The, the same thing? I don't think so. But okay. hey, for that They're joke, the we'll same take family. It. Yeah, for sure. They're both huge furry animals. What do you call um, it? Bovine? They're both... Is that what you call it? I no, think that's so. Horse. That might be a horse. It, no, ho- horse would be a, a, a questrine. A, a, oh, hmm? equine. 
Equine, thank you. There yeah, you go. Yeah, bovine are different cows and oxes and yeah, stuff. So yeah, it go. is a bovine. So yeah. Well, we hope you all have learned something um, through what we have learned you through betcha. college and studying abroad. We hope you've enjoyed. And I think the biggest thing uh, to kind of wrap up our episode today with a quote would be um, embrace new things uh, and take them with an open mind, with open arms, and just try to see what's out there for you. Because with college and studying abroad, there's so much you can learn, but you cannot really learn any of it if you're not open and willing to try new things and learn new things. I'm not even going to try. I was going to try to say new things in Spanish, but I don't fully remember how to say new, but I know thing is cosa. Nueve, nueve cosas. Oh, nueve cosas. Or would it be, oh shoot, would it, be, it, it would probably be cosas, cosas nuevas. Yeah, I guess so, maybe. Because in Spanish they do that. Yeah, there you go. New things are our additional Spanish mm-hmm. word of the pod for For example, uh, for me everyone. knowing how to say new things in Spanish is a new thing. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Good work, Jared. <laughs> I think you deserve yourself a ham horn right there, buddy. Um... So yeah, yes. so we, dear Lord. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we hope you've enjoyed this episode. <laughs> Let us know. I know, right? Let us know uh, what you guys have learned from your time in college, studying abroad, or also just through life. We'd love to hear about your life experiences. Shoot us an email, untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. Slide into our Twitter DMs, untranslatable one, especially to check out. Our song of the pod by the White Fruit Honeys, which is a fantastic song. You betcha. And also, don't forget, give us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher. You could even pop down your uh, college or study abroad experiences there. We'd be happy to shout you out during the episode as well. So we hope this has been an exciting and fun episode for all of you. As usual, we had too much fun, which is one of the reasons why we do this. Another reason, though, too, is um, that we are just so flattered and humbled to have listeners in 18 plus countries now it's absolutely amazing we thank you all so much and as we say here at the untranslatable podcast de cuyame muchas gracias